There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Scary Sci-Fi Sluts. These are your hosts. I'm Kenny. And I'm one of the other sluts, Brandon. Today, we are discussing Twilight Zone, episode two, titled One for the Angels. Um, Episode two aired October 9th of 1959, so exactly a week following the first episode. And it was directed by Robert Parrish, written by Rod Serling again, cinematographer George T. Clemens. I'd say for this one, we're looking at, I don't know, like mostly comedy. There wasn't really any horror or like thriller going on. What do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely think there's there's comedic aspects here. A um, little more lighthearted than the first episode you can catch that right off the bat Mm -hmm. um definitely some drama not yeah not so much horror a little bit of thriller stuff there's there's like one or two sprinkled moments of like thriller slash horror but it's i think it's more of like a conceptual episode yeah so i'd say it's just more like a twilight genre It's, its own thing it's its own thing yeah you can't really place it like here or there right okay and i will be getting into the plot summary so and this one is a long one so buckle up guys (laughs) yeah don't get bored of my voice quite yet (laughs) so episode two begins with an introduction to a man in a bright white suit his name is lou bookman and he's selling toys outside of his suitcase in front of a building he is a what's called a pitchman. Um, it's a hot July summer. The streets are filled with people hustling and bustling about. And we see a mysterious man in a dark suit standing off in the corner watching Lou writing in a notebook. He is Mr. Death. Lou sits down with a bunch of kids in the, in the neighborhood and hands robot toys out to them. He tells them that Lou Bookman's ice cream social hour takes place right after supper and tells the kids not to forget. He packs his things up and goes into his apartment. And there is Mr. Death sitting in one of his chairs. He recites off all of Lou's demographic information, things that strangers couldn't possibly know, like his date of birth, his background, uh, his parents' information. He then tells Lou that today is July 19th, and Lou's departure is at midnight tonight. One of the neighborhood kids, Maggie, knocks on the door and tells Lou that a key on the robot he gave her broke, so Lou takes her inside to help fix the robot. While he's fixing the toy, he says he would introduce Maggie to the strange man sitting in the chair, but he doesn't know his name. Maggie asks, What gentleman? (laughs) And it's revealed that only Lou can see Mr. Death. Mr. Death says 
she can't see or hear him. Maggie thinks Lou's playing a game with her when he asks her multiple times if she can see the man in the chair. Mr. Death says only those that are accompanying him can see him and asks Lou if he wants to start making his arrangements. He tells him that he's going to die of natural causes tonight. So that is why he's allowed to give him a forewarning of his death. Those who die of accidents or incidents get no warning. Lou doesn't believe Mr. Death is who he says he is. So to prove it, Mr. Death touches a flower which quickly droops down and dies. After seeing this, Lou now believes that he is face to face with none other than death. Lou starts getting upset and says he's perfectly healthy and doesn't want to die. Mr. Death tells him that sometimes they take appeals based on three different categories. The first is whether the individual has a family. Second, if they're a statesman scientist that's on the verge of a discovery. Or third, there's someone who has unfinished business of a major nature. Lou says he has unfinished business and tries to quickly come up with something, clearly a lie. He says he has never flown a helicopter before, but Mr. Death simply brushes him off and says that it's insufficient. Lou then says he's never seen a Zulu war dance, but receives another no from Mr. Death. <laughs> Lou then says he's never made a big pitch to the angels, whatever this means. He wants the neighborhood children to be proud of him for an accomplishment. Again, he gets a no from death. Oh, totally creepy. We'll get into that. <laughs> Lou looks defeated. So out of, I'm not quite sure, but what seems like kindness, death changes his mind and says he will grant Lou an extension until Lou manages to deliver a great pitch. But at the same time, death says he suspects that Lou has taken advantage of him and Hearing this, Lou foolishly pushes Death out the door and says he is taking advantage of him and slams the door. He thinks he's gotten away, but seconds later, Death appears inside of his apartment again. This makes Lou fearful, and he tries to run away, but Death keeps appearing in front of him as he's running out of his apartment. As he's approaching the exit, Death tells Lou that since Lou won't go with him, he's forced to take somebody else. At that moment, Lou hears tires screeching outside the apartment, and he runs out to see the commotion. And lying on the ground in pain, Maggie points up and says, and asks Lou who the man is standing behind him. Lou turns around and sees Mr. Death standing there. He yells at Death that he can't take her and that he'll go with him right now, but Death ignores him and walks off. Later in the day, a doctor has finished checking on Maggie and says to Lou that they should know by midnight what her condition is, conveniently enough. Lou sits outside Maggie's apartment until 11.45 p.m. when Death finally walks up. He tells Lou that he had to make other arrangements, and he can't change it now because it would affect his timetable. Lou opens up his briefcase and says he finally has his pitch, trying to convince Death that he should take him instead. He presents a tie to death and says it's made of mystic silk, better than anything else you can find. The clock is ticking towards midnight as he keeps trying his pitch to death. He pitches everything he has in his briefcase, including a thread that Lou claims is the best thread around. Eventually, death seems to get excited about the thread and says he'll take everything that Lou is selling. Somehow, miraculously, death seems to get excited about the thread and says he'll take everything that Lou is offering. Lou then offers himself to death 
as his final pitch. The clock strikes midnight, and Death realizes he was distracted and missed his appointment to take Maggie. So Lou packs up his briefcase and walks off with Mr. Death. While they're walking down the road, Death tells Lou that he made it up there. Whatever that means. And there we have it. That is the plot for episode two. And now it's time to get into it. All right. So what are your initial thoughts on this one, Kenny? Uh, so just starting off the, the very first shot we see is Lou holding a toy robot. So, um, just from that, that first shot alone, I either, I'm thinking a couple things. It's either going to be a way more lighthearted episode than the first and be more like comedy oriented, or it's going to be super sci-fi heavy and, and have a lot to do with the robots. Turns out neither of those is is really accurate. Yeah, right. Um, def- definitely a little more comedic and lighthearted, but it, it's not like a funny episode to say the least. Um, but yeah, that's my first thought. Uh, what, what what about you? As as soon as it gets into it, or is yeah, I mean, at? as soon as we're introduced to these characters, um, I guess my thoughts are kind of running along the same lines. Um, you can't really tell where the episode's going in the first three minutes. Yeah. Um, but I was definitely very interested to see where we were going with this and uh, to see what we're doing with death. Yeah. Yeah. I had a feeling because, um, because, you know, we're introduced to Lou and he's, he's doing his, his pitchman thing. Um, and like trying to, he's like trying to sell his, his toys and stuff off the streets. Um, when it cuts over to, who we who we know now is Mr. Death. Um, just the fact that they were wearing two complete opposite colored suits, like it gave me an idea. Like Lou's suit was strictly white, and then we pan over to this other guy who's in a completely black suit writing in a notebook. And I don't know if it's it's just like the way they're dressed and the way the camera moves around from character to character that I just like immediately kind of understood like, Oh, this is probably death. Like this, this is someone along those lines. That's, that's, you know, going to be, it's going to be bad news for Lou. Yeah. I must say that I definitely appreciate that. Um, you know, these episodes are very short, so you can't really do like a, um, foreshadowing or like a intro. Um, and I just love that we see uh, Lou and then immediately Death sitting behind them. So it's just like jumped right into that. Yeah. Like yeah we don't get any background of his past or anything. It's right. just him pitching and Death. Yeah. And one thing that tends to happen a lot in in um, throughout the series really is you when we're introduced to the, the main characters, the initial characters, um, Rod Sterling will be narrating giving you a little bit of background information on who the characters are that we're seeing. Um, so it's, so it's nice that we know that that that's a pretty consistent formula where Rod Serling's he's, he's doing the, um, the exposition for us since it, the episodes are a little bit shorter. We get in little snippets from Rod Serling's really calm and spooky voice. What, what we need to know, nothing else besides the characters. Um, yeah, and one one thing that I thought was pretty funny is as soon as Rod's introducing Mr. Death, like when he says, this is Mr. Death, it starts playing the dark, ominous music, and you're like, oh, God, oh, shit, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and one thing that's really cool is uh, before the camera leaves Mr. Death, he's like staring directly into the camera. And in, in film terms, this is called breaking the fourth wall. Um, so it's really cool. Kind of gives you the idea that this character, Mr. Death, is definitely like an omniscient, like all seeing omnipresent character. Yeah, which is really creepy. Yeah, definitely. And while we're talking about creepy, let me let me just make a note here about Lou himself. Uh, <laughs> I, I think maybe it's it's because it's 2020 and we see things a lot differently than they did in 1959. But if there was some random ass old white dude selling toys out of his briefcase off the street, telling kids to come to his ice cream social hour oh gosh like yikes that's uh is is that pedophilia or or what what do we got here yeah i mean definitely different times um back then (laughs) that's why the the little girl was able to just go into his apartment because it was just totally cool back then oh my god yeah it's what a strange time man like if yeah if this if it were today and some old white dude was just talking about his ice cream social hour and inviting kids to come over after dinner like he'd be in jail i mean imagine He's, if we if we do this episode today if uh if jordan peel plays the the character of lou how quick does he get shot oh instantly <laughs> Not, welcome to the twilight the kids <laughs> before <laughs> He's he's doing it in his like deep voice, like walking across the screen, like Rod Sterling does. This is the twilight. <laughs> oh shit! Welcome to my apartment, Maggie. <laughs> God. Yeah, it, it's really weird. Like it's it's interesting that you can watch it with the mindset that it was in 1959 and and think of it differently. Like I think Lou's supposed to represent like he's a real people's man. Like he's such a good guy. He's there for the kids. He's, he's just an honest salesman who's trying to, you know, make an, make an honest living. And he's overshadowed by this dark, dark, scary Mr. Death. But if you look at it, if you watch it from like a 2020 perspective, you're like, I don't know who's creepier the the Mr. Death writing in his notebook or this creepy old man. Like, yeah, I mean, I think I'd rather have Mr. Death take care of my kids in this <laughs> Right? Scenario. I want to hang out with him. Um, yeah, so, sorry, sorry, Rod so moving, Sterling. Moving past the, the pedophilia, what else do you um, have? So, so, when we're introduced to Lou's character, um, the narrator, Rod Sterling, says that Lou is a pitchman. Do you, did you know what a pitchman was when watching this? Yeah, I mean, I assume it's just like a salesman. Yeah, I I didn't, I was a little confused at first, but the fact that he was like trying to sell toys and stuff out of his briefcase, I caught on. But I looked up what pitchman meant and um, it just says it's a salesman, especially one who aggressively markets wares from a street stall or carnival or sideshow act. So I guess those must have been more, you know, more popular back in the day. But I, I like the fact that the definition says aggressively markets <laughs> yeah that so, makes a lot of sense yeah i mean he's inviting kids over to his social hours so <laughs> if that's not aggressive i don't know what is i do like that though because that really distinguishes it between just a regular salesman who you know just sells stuff and 
this really points to the fact that it's you know from the street and he's you know shouting out to random people yeah he's he's a real street guy you know he's real thug yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's modern day lou bookman the pitchman would be the the guys in uh times square selling the the mixtapes that actually have viruses on them well and once again he would get shot so this episode (laughs) is it's failing on all sides (laughs) in modern day yeah um Let's see. Uh, so moving on to uh, when Lou goes back to his apartment after, you know, leaving the kids, um, Mr. Death just happens to be sitting there in his apartment. And I thought it was really funny. Again, probably reflecting of the time period that he didn't seem frightened or scared at all that this random ass dude was just sitting in his apartment. Yeah, he's not really worried until Death starts telling him he's going to die that a man is inside his apartment like he's really chill about it he's like trying to have a conversation with him yeah can we go back to these days where you could just walk into someone's house (laughs) yep seriously people don't lock their doors like no one's worried about anything but then the 70s roll around everyone gets fucked up yeah i i'm actually wanting to see this modern day episode more and more where death is sitting there hitting the ring doorbell button (laughs) he's lou sees him on the the nest camera (laughs) He's like, I'm not letting you in, man. Yeah, I'm not opening the door for that guy. <laughs> um, let's see. And yeah, so he's sitting there and he tells Lou that he's going to die at midnight. And I thought that's it's really spooky. Like just this guy in a suit writing in his notebook, all chill, casual. And he's like, yeah, you're going to die midnight. Yeah, it's like, okay, so that's where we're going with that. Yeah, it's, it's made me think of um, The Ring. You're going to die in seven days. Rewind the tape. <laughs> Make him go away. Lucy, your TV's speaking again. <laughs> <laughs> your TV's leaking. <laughs> For any of our fans who can figure out that reference, let us know. Her, her name's Cindy. She's like, yeah. Cindy, your TV's leaking. <laughs> she starts like boxing Samora. <laughs> oh, God. They don't make movies like that anymore, man. Um, Those were the days. So, yeah, Lou gets told he's going to die. Um, so I do love how once we start getting into it and he, he tells them the exclusions for getting an extension, um, he pretty much just lists a bucket list. He's like, you know, I want to go skydiving. Um, kind of want to. <laughs> he's clearly <laughs> full of shit, though, because he like. He's like, oh, yeah, I totally have a pitch. And uh, he stalls and then looks at this toy helicopter. He's like, oh, I've never been on a helicopter before. I got to do that. Yeah, he he turns on his salesman in like less than a second. Yeah. And Mr. Death ain't buying it. He's like, bro, come on. You got to <laughs> try harder than that. And then he he like comes up with a pitch for the angels. I'm like, I don't know what the hell that means. You know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> but I do like how once we get outside, death straight up kills a kid. Oh yeah, but uh, <laughs> but before we get over there, like the fact that Maggie just runs into his apartment, and I I don't know this it just this whole sequence was so weird. Like she just comes up to him, he's like, oh this this toy you gave me, it's broken. He's like, oh okay, I'll fix it. And here's this random dude over here. You want to say hi? And she's like, ha ha ha, Lou, you're so funny. There's nobody there. <laughs> It was just really weird. And like, he asked her again, like, hey, there's a gentleman there. Don't you see him? And she's like, Lou, you're playing a game with me. You're so funny. Bye. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then she runs out and that's when she gets hit by the car. So did you also get the feeling of that movie where um, you get like a million dollars or whatever and you push a button and someone else dies? Oh, yeah. Um, the box. Yeah. That's what that was. That was a good movie. I guess only in the sense that like he doesn't want to die, so the kid dies. That's kind of where I got that from. Yeah. Um, even though the kid doesn't really die, but like in the moment you think she does. Yeah, which I don't know. Like, did she was the car parked or something, and she just hit her head on the car? <laughs> like, what the hell um, happened? I don't really trust her judgment. She's pretty <laughs> dumb. Yeah, she's walking into strangers' houses, asking about toys, and then runs out into the middle of the street and she gets clocked by a car. Like, I don't know what the situation is. Um, do you have any other uh, favorites before we get into him doing his sales pitch? Um, well, I, I did like the fact that when he eventually convinces death to, to give him like the appeal and, and delay his death, death, like he kind of guides death outside the door and then he slams the door in death's face. And I, I just thought like, damn, this guy has a lot of balls. If he, he just watched this dude kill a flower by touching it. And then, you know, he knows all this information. Clearly he's got some supernatural power and you just shove the door in his face. Like not so smart thinking Lou. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's thinking that it's still like cheap magic tricks or something. And he's, he's hoping the guy's full of shit. Yeah. He, yeah, maybe he still doesn't buy it until until Maggie actually gets hit by the car. No, yeah, but Lou definitely has some balls. He's yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he sells stuff on the street. He's got to, you know. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, no, and then so then we move on to the part where he's he's sitting in in front of Maggie's apartment, and which again also creepy. He's just sitting outside this little girl's apartment. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand the the late 50s i guess yeah but and it's like i don't know who he is to this girl is he like a godfather or something because the doctor comes out and tells this random dude like oh yeah we won't know about her condition until midnight like why the fuck would you just you're a doctor why are you just sharing hipaa information with a random guy off the street like the street salesman good point we never meet the parents and we never see them like hey why do you care um (laughs) I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's just when Rod Sterling was writing this, he's like, I don't care about the little details. I just want to focus on this story or if he just was drunk or high or something and forgot about it, but <laughs> it was weird. It's a little strange. Yeah. And then we get to the sales pitch that, that Lou goes on for 15 minutes. And well, how do you feel about this pitch? Well, this was my favorite part of the the episode. <laughs> I mean, it was just awesome seeing him wear out death. Like, for one, he kicks him out of his house. And then two, once he starts doing his little sales pitch, you see death getting, like, sweaty. His hair's all tussled. And he's really (laughs) wearing this guy out. Like, (laughs) And at the start, you can tell he's, like, not really paying attention. He's like, okay, I'll just sit here and listen to what this idiot has to say for 15 minutes. Then I'll go kill the girl. But then he starts getting into it. (laughs) Yeah, and then he gets captivated. Um yeah, and then when you realize, when you start to think about it, and you're like, wait, death is an angel, so this is a literal pitch to the angels, that was just such a geeked out moment for me. I was like, oh my gosh. Wait, death is supposed to be an angel? Well, I mean, if we're going off of, like, if death is, like, the devil or something. Yeah, I, I guess it doesn't really, it doesn't really specify if it's, like, referring to, like, the Christianity, like, is is in christianity is there a death or is that just satan or whatever 
I don't know about Christianity, but I feel like from Supernatural, he was... um, Yeah, he existed there. He was one of the four horsemen. He wasn't a... Yeah, he wasn't a demon, so he was more of like an angel, four horsemen type being. Huh. Yeah, I, I was I was a little... I, I started thinking about that at the, at the end of the episode, because the very end when he's walking away with death, and he's like... And he, like, isn't sure if he made it up there. I'm assuming they're, like, referring to heaven or something. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, like, I didn't know if... I've never heard of, like, a, a death character existing in, like, a biblical sense. So, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just unaware of all that bullshit but um so how much walking around cash do we think death has because he bought out the entire <laughs> stock oh i don't lou. know i mean <laughs> lou started when he was talking about the thread he's like oh this could sell for you know 45 dollars a spool then no i'll give it to you for 35 no 25 i'll give it to you for 25 cents so, Death is just eating it up. He's like, oh, that's such a good deal. He's like, I'll take it all. Give me everything you have in your briefcase. <laughs> so I don't know what everything in there is worth. It's probably just shitty, cheap Chinese quality thread that he found in some supermarket. And he's like, oh, I got one up on Death. But then, of course, he dies. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely a, a real filibuster, I felt. Like he was wearing out the clock. Yeah. And then he somehow threw his pitch makes death forget the time like i don't know in what universe this is where where the death character would just oh hey i forgot about 15 minutes i forgot about my time and well and i wrote in supernatural if this was death he could have been in both places at the same time and he would have just killed them both right exactly you'd be like what are you pitching me oh yeah fuck off. so <laughs> that's it <laughs> So the the writing's definitely a little iffy on this one, but I, I think really it's um they're going more for the thematic concept. Um, I, I'm I'm assuming based on the time period and and how this episode went, like Lou is supposed to be the good person and Death is like the dark side, so the light side and the dark side, and and you see Lou have his redemption at the end after. Oh, God damn it. This person from Arizona keeps calling me. I don't know who you are. Oh, um, Kenny's getting his invitation to the, uh, the Illuminati. Not again. <laughs> um, yeah, you see Lou throughout the episode. He turns down, you know, Death's offer to take him peacefully by midnight. And then um, in his rejection a little girl gets hurt and so he has his redemption and eventually saves the girl by the end of the episode and and i think it's this this episode just wants you to think about like good versus evil light versus dark i guess or like morality how you have to accept fate yeah um, consequences um yeah if you go against fate there's always going to be consequences or or whatever Oh, kind of like the the butterfly effect, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Or like a final destination. Ooh, even. nice. Um, how you know you're supposed to die this way, but if you don't, things will come out of it, and those things usually tend not to be good if you change, you know, the course of of time or something. Right. I did like though uh, when he says up there, and <laughs> like he's a. He's a salesman. I don't think he would be going up there. 
Not to mention he's creeping on little kids. Like I know he's inviting them over for ice cream social hour. Like, sorry, Lou, you're not going up anywhere. Yeah, who are you kidding? You're going sideways, bro. Yeah, put him in purgatory. <laughs> All right. Well, um, wrapping up episode two. What would you rate it out of a ten? Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but I changed my rating from earlier. Oh, yeah, you really changed it. Yeah. So, if you listened to our last episode, we got into our our ratings. Um, it got pretty heated. Um, my my initial rating was a little bit jaded based off of black and white. Um, so I I edited that and I took that out. And I gave it an eight and a half out of ten, um, mostly just because it was such a good time. Um, you know, seeing the back and forth between death, all the weird shit we got to see, um, and then just the overall, you know, deep thoughts that you had to put into this episode. All right, eight, eight and a half. That's a high score. Yeah, maybe we'll adjust that based off of uh, your explanation, and maybe we can come to come to an agreement on like a seven (laughs) yeah uh i gave it a six and a half out of ten um i definitely liked episode one way 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 more than this one i feel like six and a half is honestly even a little generous (laughs) might be leaning more towards like a five and a half or six but i'll stick with what i gave it i mean these Um, episodes are so um so different though between one and two right and that that's something that that happens throughout the series as a whole um there are some episodes that depending on what you look for in them what what types of genres and themes you like more you'll get more out of and some episodes where you won't get as much out of it and that's that's kind of the beauty of the show really um but for this one i just i liked the theme i liked the idea of like you can't change fate and if you do look what happens but it just it was so weird like this i don't know how we're supposed to want to follow this creepy old white guy and he's like surrounding himself with all the neighborhood kids and <laughs> i guess from first impressions you're kind of just like yeah yeah just take them now and maybe maybe it's just my naivety and and you know being aware of like the social times right now and and not being able to fully commit like my headspace into that time period and thinking like oh it wasn't a big deal back then yeah i don't know i just felt like there there needed to be a more consistent like vibe throughout the episode it wasn't too comedic it wasn't too like thrilling or scary um like the moral theme was there but nothing else really stuck out to me Uh, i did like the depiction of mr death though and i like that rod sterling called him mr death not just death Um, i thought that was a interesting little bit and one thing this episode did make me think of was death note uh since mr death was standing there writing in his notebook i was like oh shit that's that's totally death note like maybe they got inspiration from this because you've seen death note right are you have you read any of it? uh what was that one about it's the so it's a manga about this kid who uh i forget what his name is, is it, his name is light i think and he finds this notebook 
that basically um, controls like this death god or death spirit named Ryuk. Oh, that was on Netflix. Yeah, they they made a Netflix movie of it, but it was a manga first that turned into like an anime and then the movie. And he like writes in the name of someone who he wants to kill and then Ryuk, the death spirit, goes and kills him. Yeah, I I saw the trailer for it. It looked really good. But I never got around to watching it. <laughs> you should watch it. I, you know, I, I read the manga back in high school, like freshman or sophomore year, and I thought it was really cool, but I got pretty, I got bored of it after a while. And um, Adam Wingard was the director for the Netflix movie. And I really like Adam Wingard. He, he directed movies like The Guest and You're Next. And one of these days we are absolutely going to cover The Guest. It's one of my top five favorite movies. I think it's fantastic. Um, uh, we'll, we'll put it up against the panel. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what our investors think. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he directed those movies and he, he's actually set to direct King Kong versus Godzilla when it eventually gets released. I think it's 2021 in some point, Ooh. but he directed death note and yeah, that's what the movie's about. Um, so I just, I saw that tie there. So definitely, the creator of Death Note had to have drawn some type of inspiration from from Twilight Zone, which is cool. Um, any any last thoughts, last notes about this episode? Any other like references that you noticed in, in popular culture now? Um, I guess just going back to uh to Mister Death. Um, did you ever get far enough into Supernatural? Well, I know you have because you mentioned um you mentioned seeing Death, but. This made me remember the the initial scene where we get introduced to death on Supernatural, and he couldn't be more of a badass character. Oh, like is that was, is that when like Dean walks into the diner or something? That's when he first meets him, right? Yeah, and I think Death appears, and he's just got like a badass cane. The <laughs> yeah, like AC DC music's playing. <laughs> he's wearing like a duster, I think. Yeah, he's just awesome. Sort. Pretty cool dude. So I'm just a before. huge fan of death um, in all genres. Yeah, no, he's he's cool. Yeah, he, but I, he bought the shots. Yeah, so. I, I'd hang out with him again. <laughs> so in conclusion, I'd say we could both give it maybe like a six and a half. Yeah, I'll be nice. All right, <laughs> we'll be nice. <laughs> okay, uh, so what are we doing next time? We are going to make our way back and get into the next episode of Supernatural. Season one, episode three, Dead in the Water. Ooh, I'm excited about this one because um, I mentioned this, I think, in our pilot episode that this was actually the first episode of Supernatural that I ever saw. And I was super young then and it terrified me. It was so, so scary. And so I'm, I'm really ready and excited to, to talk about it with you guys and, and tell you what we think. And then as far as upcoming uh, movies... Have you read about any upcoming movies coming out or I know we have the delays going on, so it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. Um, so there's one it's, it was actually already out in theaters. Um, it's actually available right now for, for streaming, but you have to like, it's weird. They have this program since they, a lot of movies were in theaters for too short a time due to coronavirus, or they like didn't release at all, but they're, they're releasing on, on streaming services, but they say you rent it, but really you're like buying it, but not buying it because you don't get to keep it. So they're charging like $20 for a rental. Um, oh, I've seen but, that. 
Yeah. So once once the price drops down a little bit, I think we should cover um, Invisible Man, the new movie that just came out. Oh, I wanted um, to watch that so bad. And then, yeah, I saw that it was like $30 to rent it. And I was like, are you shitting me? <laughs> yeah. We'll wait a month and then we'll we'll cover it. But yeah, I'm going to get I'm going to stream that shit for free on Pornhub. <laughs> X hamster, bro. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I hear it's really good. That's, I, I've heard a lot of good things about that movie. And um, it's definitely a blend of sci-fi and horror based on what I've read and seen about the movie. Have you been seeing all the memes for Invisible Man? No. Are there some good ones? <laughs> There's some great ones. Uh Mostly for the Invisible Man himself. They have John Cena. They have... Of course. Um, what's his name from Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, oh, um, Drax. Yeah, Drax in a, like, in a vintage. You can't see me. I'm not here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of 2020. I hope that all these movies get to come out because we've got $6 billion man coming out. Marky Mark. It's always going to be a... Oh, I haven't even seen anything about that. Uh, Free Guy. Have you seen stuff for that? Oh, that looks so dumb. Oh, come on. It looks terrible. You got to watch it, though, because it's Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I hate, fucking hate Ryan Reynolds. Oh, come on. But one thing I did read about a week ago is um, Christopher Nolan's next movie, Tenet, was supposed to come out, I believe, in July. And... Um, as of right now, I think they're still planning on releasing it in July, um, which is really interesting because outside of Wonder Woman, I think being pushed back to, was it August or something? Um, Tenet is really the only big movie, like big blockbuster movie that hasn't changed its release date. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens if like theaters do open back up by then. Or if they, you know, in the next month or so, push it back to. But I am really looking forward to that one. Because that's that looks like a really cool, like, mind trip, mind fuck, sci-fi thriller. You've seen the trailer for that, right? I have not. <laughs> oh, oh my god, dude. Okay, as soon as we finish this, watch the trailer. Turn the volume up really high because it's it will blow your mind. Just the trailer alone, like... I don't, I don't think I was this, I haven't been this excited for a Christopher Nolan movie since The Dark Knight Rises. Ooh. Definitely watch the trailer and we'll talk about it next time. Okay. Um, so uh, I just got one more thing. Um, speaking of the coronavirus, jumping away from sci-fi and horror, our usuals, uh, if anyone is a fan of Parks and Recreation, they're going to have an episode come out for charity. So oh, okay. watch that. Very cool. Never really got into that show because I hate Amy Poehler, but I'll give it a shot. Uh, if you like Chris Pratt, you know, give it a watch. <laughs> no, the, the best part about that show is a season. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's absolutely the best one. <laughs> but we'll stop rambling. And we'll, um, we'll let you guys go. <laughs> um, yeah. I also if you if you do check into our Twitter, um, give us a follow. Um, one thing that that we might start doing is like they have kind of poll type stuff on on twitter feeds so if we have a week where we're trying to figure out like oh what movie we should uh, review or what tv show we should jump to or or something like that we can create a poll on twitter and you can vote there and, and let us know and give us a hand with that 
yeah, follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We have accounts on all of those. Shoot us a comment. Uh, say hey. Tell us if we screwed up any information, got some facts wrong, because we're noobs. We will do that from time to time. And um, we are, we're just doing this for fun right now. So, all right. Well, once again, thank you for listening. Um, especially if you listened all the way to the end, uh, you're a trooper, you're a number one fan. Uh, but thanks everyone. Uh, if you enjoyed it uh, or have any comments or criticisms, head over to the review section on Apple podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to. Uh, We really appreciate the feedback, and we rely off of it right now. So, until next time, stay scary and stay sexy. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.